Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and I'm joined here by Anthony. What's going on, everybody? Jenny. Hello. And Duane. Hey, everybody. Episode two. Oh, so excited for episode two of the Soccer Podcast. Um, so far, we had some really, really good feedback from episode one we just finished week four of our training sessions over the summer and so far at least from my perspective everything's still going relatively smooth uh within our structure and guidelines that we're following what do you guys think i agree (laughs) spoken by the person that hasn't been out in the field because due to an injury post soccer injury (laughs) Right, let me just tell you how exciting it was watching our uh, our 2011 scrimmage the other night. It was like the most exciting scrimmage since I can remember. I don't know if I'm just so so soccer deprived from watching our kids play, but this was like the most intense scrimmage. It was like seven to seven in like 20 minutes of play. Kids are just taking each other on. It was fantastic. It was awesome. That's great. The one thing I've been encouraging players to do and anytime they score a goal is to like really cheer and like really celebrate their goals. The young kids do that already. Yeah. You know, they just like, like they score a goal and like their, their arms just go out like this. Like they're waiting for everybody to hug them. Everybody's not allowed to do. Everyone's going over to give high fives. I'm like screaming six feet, six feet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dwayne, how are your practices this week? Hey, man, they were good. Uh, got to work with the soccer dad for both days this week. Hey, you know soccer dad, he's always got tricks up his sleeve. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's always it, – it brightens my day anytime I get to work with soccer Dan. Yeah, yesterday was definitely one of those days. He was like, hey, I got a couple kids coming. I was like, all right, you know, one or two. It's up being like six or seven kids he got to come out yesterday. So nice. Perfect. We need to, I think we need to, I think Soccer Dan is going to be uh, one of the new, like, upcoming guests of this podcast, just to sit in the entire episode. I don't have a problem with us having another person that we're interviewing that day, but Soccer Dan just being a part of this podcast. Uh, I also um, heard back from Coach Chad, uh, who listened to the first episode, uh, and he was uh, not happy with our 154 comment of uh, that's that's what number he is in our interview list. <laughs> uh, uh, I told him it was all Dwayne, uh, so that way he's just gonna come after you at this point. Hey man, if he's got to wait two years to interview, you know, 2022, Chad, you'll be the first person on that list. There you go, January 2022. Put it on your calendar. Yeah, you don't want to be part of this year, anyways, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right, so summer camp registrations are open and ready to go. Jenny, hit us with those dates. All right, so there's a morning one from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. for August 3rd to 6th, August 17th to 20th, and August 24th to 27th. And then there's a night camp from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., July 20th to July 23rd, July 27th the 30th and august 10th to the 13th yeah so for anybody looking to do our summer camps go to our website our new website just launched yesterday we're really excited about it go check it out delawareunion.com 
and then you'll in there you'll be able to see summer camps right at the top uh you'll be able to register if you're a recreational player and you want to use your credit from the spring season there's a form in there you fill it out we send you a code you put that into your registration boom camp is free ready to go uh so our travel camp uh, is August 10th through the 13th, and we'll send out more information to our returning and our new travel players uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so we're really excited about the night camps. I think it'll, it's a new thing that we're trying out this year. Um, so I, I think it'll be, it'll be cool to do them in the afternoon. Um, with the players, maybe, maybe we get to turn the lights on for one of the nights or something like that. It might be, that might be cool. Um, so, one of the other things that's coming up towards the fall season is we are going to be part of the Pennsylvania Regional Club League. Uh, and Dwayne and I were able to uh, sit down with Alex Culp, who is a senior tournament director from APL Tournaments. And we got to talk to him about the PRCL, what our involvement is as a club. Uh, so we'll listen to that uh, right now. All right, we're joined here by Alex Culp, the Senior Tournament Director for APL. Alex, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Sebastian, Dwayne, for having me on. It's exciting, you know, for APL to be able to work with clubs like Delaware Union and, and help, you know, build a better soccer environment uh, in our region and work with fantastic clubs like you guys have. Thank you. Uh, so we want to talk about the Pennsylvania Regional Club League uh, that's going to be coming out this fall or starting this fall. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an overview of what the league is and uh, where it's what it's part of? Yeah, so the PRCL, as we're calling it, it's, it's an exciting opportunity to work under the U.S. club uh, banner, and we're, we're able to offer through the league a, a platform that, you know, there, there really isn't many others like it that will be able to, you know, have a league component that will advance to a, a regional championship and a national championship platform and within the, the U.S. club structure have player identification processes through the ID2 national program um, and really be able to service clubs uh, in a whole holistic approach that will be able to focus on you know, team and club development along with individual player development as well. That's awesome. I think that's something that uh, is definitely for us in Delaware, something that we've been looking for for a while. Uh, so we're really excited to be a part of it. Uh, so you talked about the, the, the national pathway or the possibilities from regional and national competition for, for teams. What age groups does the league cover? Yeah, so, so the league will encompass U9 through U19 boys and girls, uh, but the pathway for a regional and national championship will strictly be for the U13 through U19. Um, and through that, we're, we're going to I'm going to compare a little bit to almost like the, you know, the English Premier League and the FA Cup is we'll have a pathway very much with a promotion and relegation, like the English Premier League and the English Championship League, where, you know, if you win it, you can advance, you advance from the top division to a regional platform and, and have a chance to compete from there to go to a national championship. Um, but we're going to have a promotion and relegation within that. And in addition to that, we're going to have a competition much like what you consider the FA Cup, and we call it the National Cup, where it'll be almost a state cup model, where you'll have a chance to go to a separate um, national championship as well. So through the league, you'll have your league component, which can have a promotion relegation advancement to a national championship platform, and then also a state cup bracket platform. 
play or World Cup style group play, advance into bracket play, um, national championship platform as well. So it's very much offering two platforms for teams to find success in. That's awesome. Uh, and I think that's. And it'll, and, and it'll give in reality that David and Goliath opportunity for some teams where you might be placed in the second division and get placed up against top division teams. And you'll see, you know, what we hope is some of those second division teams compete with those top divisions. We, we believe there won't be a, we hope that there's not a lot of difference between our divisions and those teams will be able to compete and show, Hey, anybody can really win in soccer at any given day. And you'll see those, you know, tier two and tier three teams get an opportunity to, to, you know, it's, you know, say it how it is, punch above their weight and get a chance to play against those top division teams that they desperately want to play, but they never really get a chance to and have a chance to compete and do well. I think that's a, that's a really good point uh, because right now in the different levels of U.S. youth, U.S. soccer or U.S. youth soccer from a, from a youth soccer perspective, not U.S.Y.S. in general, but just a youth soccer perspective, uh, there's so many different uh, leagues or options or, um, or levels that, that you can play in. But ultimately, once you're in that level, you're, you're somewhat stuck within that division. So this allows for you to play in a league uh, at within your, within your level of, of play and at the same time have the ability to, uh, to play against teams from other divisions and other brackets, which I think will be, will be really exciting for a lot of other teams. Correct. It's exciting to see, you know, I think everybody kind of gets, for lack of better words, pigeonholed in tournaments where they get put in, you know, comparable divisions and they play against a lot of the same teams because it's, it's what we do. We evaluate the teams and unless you can start to really prove a pathway forward, you get put in a lot of the similar brackets against similar competition, but this will give teams that opportunity to, you know, when they say, hey, yeah, we can compete against those top level teams. Well, here's your opportunity you know, let's see what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the, uh, what are some of the other clubs that are going to be uh, involved in the PRCL? Yeah, we're, we're excited to be able to kind of span across, you know, four states right now. You know, we have clubs in New Jersey, like Next Level Soccer Academy uh, in Jersey at MatchFit. In Pennsylvania, we'll have, at the, you know, not going to name all of them, but you know, PA Classics, FC Delco, Penn FC, Reading Rage, Westmont um, will be committing, you know, as a club in Penn Fusion as well. You know, we're going to get down into Delaware. And obviously, we're excited to have, you know, Delaware Union as a as a charter member in there. But we're going to have, you know, Delaware FC, Hocaston and Wilmington, uh, supporting Delaware. And then we've got a really good draw coming out of Maryland with clubs like um, Next Level, Next Level, uh, Pipeline, uh, Baltimore Union, Old Line. Um, FC USA Maryland. So we're excited to really be able to offer, you know, competition in, in four states and really hopefully tie together that these four states were to put together a premier soccer league. Awesome. And you mentioned in there that Delaware Union is a charter member. So what does that, yep. uh, for the listeners out there, what does that really mean for Delaware Union? So it's, it's a really, you know, I think for, for you know, really Chad and Sebastian and, and the leadership there, it's a really exciting opportunity to, to have a positive impact on the league. Um, you know, we're going to have month, you know, you know, seasonally calls with our charter members and discuss, you know, really the status of us uh, of soccer in the United States and in the region and, you know, what's happening, what are changes that they want to see, what are changes, what's happening in the league, what's been, what's working, what's not. And it's, it's really exciting to have, you know, great clubs be on board with this that can, you know, help improve the league and, 
be an advisory board to help us manage the league to make it the best experience possible for the players. That's great. Uh, yeah, we're really excited to be a part of that. Uh, I know you and I have had a lot of different conversations in general about how this league is, is formed and, and we talk about just in general player development and, and pathways for, for a while now. So this is very exciting for us in general as a club. Yeah. Um, the, my other question is, so from an APL perspective, what's, what's next? I know there's a lot of uncertainty or a lot of unknowns to a certain extent still with, uh, with, yeah. the, with the status of the world. Uh, so what's next for APL? What's, what's coming up? You know, we're, we're really excited that we have a great state association in EPYSA, and, and we've been working very closely with them over the last, you know, really 30 days to, you know, hopefully you know, we're, we're working with them to put together the, the, a return to play for soccer. You know, we've been approved to start running a tournament um, next weekend, July 18th and 19th, with, with our partners at PA Classics, and we've been approved for everything in August. Um, and we've, we've been working with them and putting in, you know, how can we social distance fans? How can we social distance, you know, in our facilities? How can we limit the specter? So we've been working very closely with, with EPYSA to put together a uh, safe to return to play protocol that we're going we're gonna to implement. Um, and we're, we're really excited to kind of get back to, you know, sense of normalcy, I think, for the kids. It's really important to get them back with their friends, get them back, you know, exercising and, and competing. Um, but, you know, we're, we're excited to hopefully everything continues on the trajectory we're on and we can get back to fall soccer, you know, and be able to run our events. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the right in front of our face. The going forward, APL's just excited to continue to, grow um, and begin to have new partnerships with, with clubs that'll improve our existing events, potentially start some new events in, in different regions, different parts of region one and, you know, other areas of the country, um, which I think will only benefit, you know, soccer as a whole. And that, that's APL's main goal is, you know, to improve the status of soccer in the United States and improve players, improve the environment, improve clubs and, we, and we're excited to work with fantastic clubs um, and that some clubs are two teams some clubs are 100 teams that we work with and we, and we want to work with every club possible um, and treat them all equal and have good experiences for everybody involved. So Alex uh, you said that you're looking at getting more clubs where uh, can people get more information on APL and in this league this PRCL league? Yep Everything we have is on our, our, our main web, website. It's www.aplTournament.com. And across the top of that, there's a different headers for our tournaments, different um, links for the PRCL. Um, so everything can be found on aplTournament.com. That's great. Alex, thanks so much for, for joining us today. I think, uh, you know, I speak uh, in behalf of, uh, of our club and, and Dwayne's on the call as well. And he's been a part of a lot of the APL tournaments that we've participated in in the past. And you guys do a fantastic job. Uh, it's a, uh, it's quality, quality tournaments. Uh, you know, the, the, not only is it just the experience for the players, but from a management perspective, uh, you know, you guys go above and beyond to be able to help us out from a coaching perspective, you know, with, with multiple teams, uh, you know, scheduling things like that. That's that's always been a, a fantastic relationship that we've had with you guys. And I think it's the I think it's the one on one experience that you're able to offer from a tournament perspective. So we're looking forward to being a charter member of this league uh, and continue this partnership that we have uh, for for years to come. Yes, I really appreciate that. And, you know, it, it's easy to it's easier to do my job when I have, you know, 
directors who, who want to be a part of the solution and want things to be better. So it, it's really easy to, to do my job when you know, a, a director like yourself wants to make things better and wants to fix things and is willing to work with the organizations you know, on terms of coaching conflicts and getting working on the schedule. So it, it's been a pleasure to work with Delaware uh, Union. I'm excited to continue that process through the league and continue our growth in tournaments together. Thanks, Alex. Uh, well, uh, we're looking forward to the fall, and uh, we'll see you out there on the field. Yeah, we'll see you guys in August, hopefully, uh, at the Penn Fusion event, and we'll, and we'll uh, continue to go see seeing you guys from there. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Thanks. Really excited about the PRCL coming in the fall, um, but follow us on social media, too. We have our Facebook account, facebook.com backslash Delaware Union. We have Instagram, Delaware Union Soccer, which is all one word. And now we have a Twitter account up and going, which is capital D-E, Union Soccer. Yeah, get on Twitter. Right, Anthony? Tweet. <laughs> All right, and now I'm super excited about this. We are joined here by Justin Brooks Ward. Justin, how are you? I'm well, guys. How's everyone doing here? We're doing great. Yeah, good day for a podcast. Nice and rainy. Yeah, it's a perfect day to be a radio, right? Yeah. Justin, we wanted to bring you on. I, 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 uh, I contacted you a while back to bring you on to this um, just because I think you, what you do in general from a soccer perspective, uh, it's really important. Uh, so let's, let's, give you, let's give the listeners a brief history of what you do and where you are right now. And then we can, um, we can kind of dive in from there. Okay, sure. Uh, so I uh, am a director of coaching at River Soccer Club. Uh, I'm also a school teacher uh, at in Indian River School District. I've worked in special education for most of my time there. Um, and then I'm an ODP staff coach for Delaware. And I also have my own kind of uh, club neutral uh, one-to-one and small group training uh, coaching company called JBW Football. Uh, my my kind of academic background is in, I have a degree in psychology and a degree in special education, a master's degree in special education. And I use a lot of that when I'm coaching. So a, a lot of my coaching has uh, kind of the, the mental edge woven into it and um, everything from decision-making to, you know, different performance inhibitors, uh, you know, our self-talk, the way, the way the kind of filters that we use to understand our own performances in the games and the world around us. So I try to, uh, what I call kind of uh, the whole player approach where going beyond just technically, tactically, and physiologically, but weaving in this other kind of mindset and uh, kind of like uh, the performance psychology aspect. You know, I, I try to bring, I look, I'm a professional educator, uh, highly qualified soccer coach, and a, a human development specialist. And I try to bring all three of those things together to maximize my ability as a coach. You know, and from the coaching qualifications background, I have uh, the USB license, the United Soccer Coaches Premier Diploma, and I'm currently working on my UEFA B license. That's awesome. So what, let's, let's talk a little bit about JBW football. Uh, where, did that, where did that get started? Obviously, it's your initials. Uh, so we know, where the, we know where the title came from or where the name came from. But, but where did the idea come from? And, uh, and, and you, you mentioned that you're, you're club neutral, it's a club neutral 
uh, company, which is great. So who do you, who do you, who do you work with right now? So the, the idea, you know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, doing training on the side or one-to-ones or small groups isn't a new idea. Uh, the other kind of thing that I wanted to do with JBW football is create a platform for myself as a coach and to kind of bring other coaches in. And I, I've been lucky to travel a lot and have, uh, be on lots of study trips the last five years. Uh, so I wanted a way to kind of connect some of the experiences I've been having abroad with my soccer community here on, you know, the Eastern shore and the Delmarva Peninsula and stuff. Cause not everyone gets the opportunity to go abroad and, and, and do these things. So, so that, that's part of it. And we've had coaches from Jamaica over, we've had coaches from Scotland over, uh, hopefully Germany soon. So, so that, that is one big, big, bigger kind of goal of the company is to create this platform where I can kind of share my, my, extracurricular experiences in the footballing world with, with the coaches and the players and people here uh, in this community. Um, and then from a more kind of practical standpoint, I wanted to just, I, I wanted to legitimize the uh, one-to-one and small group stuff and not just kind of be like a ad hoc little thing on the side. I want to make it a nice official company, you know, from all the, all the uh, kind of a, uh, important standpoints of you know having insurance coverage and 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 then but then also be able to market it and uh i reckon another goal is you know there is we live in a, in a really great soccer kind of larger region with the megatropolis that surrounds our kind of sleepy uh kind of eastern shore here with Baltimore and DC and Annapolis and Philly and, and Wilmington, Delaware and Eastern PA. And, you know, all those people come down here in the summertime, you know, and where I, I'm in Southern Delaware, the beaches, so they're all here in the summertime and there's lots of really high quality players. So by kind of making it an official company and being able to market it a little bit, we're able to connect with some of those players. So, so right now I have two coaches that work with me, Danny Maskell and uh, Jordan Lundy. Uh, and we're working with players locally and then a handful of different ECNL players that are uh, in the area for the summertime or kind of come and go. And uh, also right now I'm really excited and lucky to be working with uh, one uh, under 20 U.S. national team player who has uh, got lots of, I think, uh, exciting things on the horizon for him. So that's, that's kind great. of who we're working with and who we are. That's great. I think in the, you mentioned a couple of things that I, that I think are really important. One, um, the fact that you took in consideration the the insurance part of it, it's something that sometimes gets overlooked uh, from a, from a youth soccer perspective, safety is a, it's a big, it's a, it's an extremely important part of it. Um, and the fact that you take that into consideration is, is absolutely incredible. Cause that's, cause I can tell you that not everybody takes that into consideration. Uh, yeah. And I think it's something that gets overlooked um, especially when, when these one-on-one training things happen. The other part of this, and you and I have had this conversation before, is the the mental edge aspect of it and not just being a, or I'm going to teach you how to dribble faster or how to have these like extra different like little skills on the ball, which are good and important, but it's the the psychological component to it that I think is extremely important. Can you, can you talk a little bit about why that makes a difference for the player that's trying to get to the next level? Sure. Um, the, 
obviously we spend loads of time working technically, tactically, and physically to get better, but we don't spend lots of deliberate practice on building our mindset and, and understanding ourselves, you know, and, and building our self-awareness and then uh, using the, our self-awareness as a foundation to go and build a mindset that is like an elite high performance mindset. And when we understand a little bit about how human beings work in general from a behavioral and mental standpoint, we can then understand how we work, how we are and how we're kind of interpreting the world and what happens. And once we kind of get those pieces in place, you can really, you know, accelerate your, your performance and um, uh, be the best version of yourself. You know, like I'm sure uh, Jenny, you played uh, college soccer. Is that right? Yes. Right. So have you, when someone, do you remember uh, the goals, some good opportunities that you missed? Yes. Like really vividly? Yeah. Yeah. And then what about like the goals that you scored? Do you remember all those? Yes. Yeah. And then w w which, which memory is, is more clear? The ones you, the, the, do you, which ones stick, you know, or a, another good kind of example could be when someone tells you, Jenny, great game. You're like, oh, cool. Thanks. What about when someone tells you, Jenny, you're a little bit off today? I feel like I always work harder if someone tells me I'm a little bit off because I like to receive like the criticism just so I can build upon it and become a better player in person. And, and w which kind of comment stays with you longer though? When someone says you've done well, does it just kind of, you're like, oh, great. Thanks. And then you're, kind of moving on and then when someone says you've done, not done so well like you, you think about it for a little bit longer or yeah I think so when someone tells me I don't do as well I think about it longer yeah and um I don't know if the, the other boys on here if, if you guys have similar experiences with you know a, a negative comment sticking with you like someone tells you that your shoes are ugly and you're like oh man why did I wear these that was so dumb and someone tells you you look good or your haircut's good and you're like cool that's thanks guys and you kind of move on from that is that a, a is that a common experience across the group here? That was an experience before we started the show today. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Tell us. Tell us, Anthony. Fashion is just ripping my hair, and I'm just trying to be myself, so now I'm really insecure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jealous <laughs> because I don't have any hair. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dwayne? Yeah, I definitely, when somebody says something like that, I'm definitely out for blood. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then, the, and then the positive comment though, just kind of is there and gone again. And we, we're not, we don't like perseverate on this, on this positive comment, like we do on negative comments. And that has a lot to do with our evolutionary psychology. When, when Neanderthal man and woman are, are forging for food, they need to remember their mistakes really, really vividly and in a real kind of long-term way, you know? You know, a little, you know, Dwayne ate those berries and Dwayne's not with us anymore. So we need, so we need to remember, don't eat, the, don't eat the, the blueberries. We gotta eat, we're gonna eat the red ones instead. You know, so we kind of are, we're programmed to, to attach to the negative, you know, and, and as a player, as anyone trying to achieve peak performance in sport or life, we, we can't spend time worrying about all the, all the mistakes or all the negative comments. We need to, we need to, take a mistake on board and see the what and then and then immediately move move through the grieving process like the, the the seven stages of the grieving process move through that as rapidly as possible and get to analyzing the why like you see a player blast one over the crossbar and they're nine times out of ten they're thinking 
I can't believe I missed that. Why did I miss that? Oh, I, I missed it. I'm going to get, I'm going to get taken off the field because I missed that shot. And, I, and it's this, it's this spiral of, of, of negative thinking, but they're, they're not actually analyzing why, why did I hit it over the crossbar? You know, the ball gives us feedback. If the ball goes 10, 10 feet over the crossbar, I've made contact too low. If I was trying to bend it and there's no spin on it, I've made contact too central. You know, if I blasted it into the wall and I'm trying to play it over the wall, I've made contact too high on the ball. You know, so if a player can, if we can help establish the mental edge by first, hey, hey just understand that you're designed to think negatively. Our brains are designed that way. If we can push that aside and reframe it with a more positive kind of filter, we can get past the, the grieving process and the so upset about the what and get to the analyzing the why and then improve our performance from there. You know, and ideally someone that, you know, that uh, maybe I've worked with for a long time, the goal is to, that that process happens before the ball that's been shot over the crossbar has even landed. So they've already gone, oh man, terrible shot. Why was it terrible? Oh, this is why it's terrible. Okay, I'm going to get it right next time. And then all, all, in the, all in the same, you know, second as they're recovering to get back in position to, to be ready for the next play. So, so we just... The more we know about the way people work and, and the way and then the way we work specifically and our, and our behaviors and mindsets and stuff, we can we can really tap uh, some some uh, some potential that we, we maybe don't even realize we have. Well, I think and I think it's interesting just because I think from a coaching perspective and we've all done this where you have uh, especially in the middle of a game where you uh, a player misses a shot and you're like uh, your your first reaction sometimes, especially. I feel like maybe as you're younger or just in the heat of the moment, your first reaction is like, Hey, aim it at the goal, which from a feedback perspective, it's terrible. Like, cause the player takes that and goes, well, yeah, duh. Like I know I'm supposed to, you know, aim at the goal. I wasn't trying to purposely aim away from the goal. So I think the fact that the way from a coaching perspective, we can help our players is to help them. And I think that's, at least personally, I've, I've tried to change that over the last couple of years where I'm more precise with the feedback that I give. I try to be a little more, more direct, but at the same time, also asking the player, hold on, I, I get you're upset, but why, what, what happened? What broke down in the process of you receiving a ball or passing or shooting that then led to the mistake? Let's, let's figure out why, and then we can move from it. Yeah, uh, the, you make a great point about the, the kind of generic uh, hit the target comment. You know, formative, formative feedback forms our understanding of things and, and progresses us closer to the, the whatever objective we're working on. And this, in this point, you know, it's scoring a goal or, or hitting the target. So we need to give very specific feedback. Um, you know, even the comment, good job, it, it, it not – good enough if we're holding ourselves to a high standard it needs to be good job with checking your shoulders so you knew there was a defender there you know what what's the specific piece that was you know good job good okay what was good i i you may have saw something that was good and i may be thinking something else i did was good so i think that's a really important comment about the specific feedback and then you know using the why question to guide players to understand what's going on you know again if you ask that question i think that a lot of players are going to talk about being upset about missing a shot and and we can help them understand listen you're talking about what we know what happened but we need to talk about why it happened 
and you need to be able to uh, uh, address that. And players might not know. And, that, and then that's where, you know, the coaching comes in is to help them see, help them understand the why. Well, I think that's where, I think that's from, a, from an individual perspective of a, of a technical or tactical training. It's understanding not only can a player do it naturally, but do they understand why they do it? Yeah. Or do they understand the steps that it takes for you to pass a ball properly? Your plant foot, where is it? Where is it pointing? Where are your hips pointing? The, your kicking foot, you know, the, which part of the foot are you hitting it with? Are you locking your ankle? Are you following through? Where are your shoulders? Where's your head? All those little details of it. And I think that's from a coaching perspective. That's a part that, at least from a Delarinian perspective, and I know you guys at River are doing it as well, is you're trying to make your coaches better by thinking about that part of it. Because I think for a long time, we told players, oh, you just need to be better or you need to focus more or you need to work harder in order to get better. But what am I doing from a coaching perspective to make you get better, right? And I think that's a that's something that, and I know I've talked to specifically with Anthony, Duane, and Jenny about this. And I know Jenny, some, that's something that with Jenny, we've been talking about considering this is her first, first coaching experience about being able to be a role model from a player perspective, but at the same time, how do you get better as a coach? Because if, if you're not getting better as a coach, it's difficult to tell your players to get better because you know, it's a lead by lead by example sort of scenario there. Yeah, absolutely. You're, for me, you're talking about personal leadership. You know, I, I think a lot of people think about leadership. They think about leading a team or a group, but the, the most important person you'll ever lead is yourself. So you have to have, you know, not just understand academically what a growth mindset is, but actually live that and go and go do that. And then when you do, you know, the, the players kind of feed on it. And, and, you know, the beginning of there was the, again, the specific feedback. We you don't just work harder. <laughs> that's, that's, it's not good enough. You know, that's not good enough. We as coaches have to hold ourselves to a higher standard, you know, specifically how, how are they going to work harder? What are, what do they need to work on? Why? And, giving giving high quality feedback is really labor intensive you know it takes a lot of time you know and and we're all in situations where we're coaching more than one team we we have other jobs we have families we we, we don't there's not like a huge backroom staff that's doing all this video analysis or other performance analysis for us so so you kind of have to do it on the fly but it, it's um you know, it, it is it is important and just the more you think about it as a coach the more you the more you can you know it, it was one one coaching education thing I was on where the, the, an instructor said, don't say good job, just be specific. Tell them why they did a good job. And I thought, man, yeah, that's, that's obvious. But, but lots of people aren't doing it, and I wasn't doing it. I, you know, and so, so, yeah, you make lots of good points there. So. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's – and I think it leads us to the next part of it. And I think one of the things JBW football has been involved in is uh, you've now, uh, you, you now have partnered up with Lead Your Way Solutions, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, Lead Your Way Solutions and Mike Nally and Emily DeMarco, who's the vice president, is a, an incredible company. They uh, specialize in executive coaching and leadership development and assessment in business and government. Uh, Mike's ch children have played at River Soccer Club and are all accomplished athletes. And so Mike and I kind of connected through that. And uh, as we spoke a couple of times about some projects I'm working on at River, and my general outlook on uh, performance and, and life, we realized pretty quickly that 
we could, there could be a great partnership. Um, they had long been interested in developing what they do, what they deliver in the executive coaching and leadership development world, uh, like in the business world into the sporting world. So I've been consulting with them for, I don't know, eight or nine months on developing their sporting program. And now we have uh, a handful of players that are, have gone through it or are in the middle of going through our, um, our first kind of part of that, which has been really exciting and, and a great, great company and uh, lots and lots of potential, I think, there to, to do more things and bring some great stuff to the community at large and all over the world for that matter. Yeah, no, for sure. And that, those are definitely conversations that you and I have had in the past and are somewhat ongoing, which are, which are great. Um, so if a parent or a player wants to reach out to you, where, where can they find JBW football? So uh, you can check out what's going on at jbwfootball.com. Uh, also on Instagram at jbwfootball. And then the email, the best email is the team at jbwfootball.com. Awesome. And I think one of the things, and I, I follow you, I follow JBW football on Instagram. And uh, one of the things you did over the, this whole entire pandemic where everybody was kind of shut down is you, you had a juggling challenge. Yeah. Which I thought was, was awesome because it was, it was players from across the entire state. Uh, and even from some out, out of state, I believe as well, which I think was, was awesome. Uh, and I think a lot of kids really got into it. Yeah. Um, I think uh, a big shout out to Lily O'Brien from up north, uh, a player that I worked with in ODP a little bit. She, uh, I think, got to something like 1,535 juggles. I mean, yeah. that's incredible. And I mean, you know, it, it's basically about a minute for every 100, 100 or so that you can do is generally the, the kind of ratio. You know, so you're looking at like a 15 minutes of juggling there. I mean, that's like an endurance session on its own. So it's pretty impressive. I mean, I think I started with like 75 or something to get the competition going and was quickly humbled <laughs> by, the, by the ability of these, some of these players. So. And you also had a little bit of a friendly competition with one of your coaches down a river, right? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of the coaches were really getting into it. Uh, yeah. A couple of the coaches uh, just immediately smashed me with uh, like right, right to like 150, 160 even, and with a mini ball, no less. So, but yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah. Got some, you guys got some quality some quality jugglers down a river, man. Yeah, yeah. Keepy uppy. Yeah. Keepy uppy. <laughs> we we attempted to do that with our video. Uh I it took me my wife was recording the video and I had the we had the kids in a wagon watching me do it. And my two year old was heckling me uh <laughs> while I was trying to do it. It was it was uh, it was difficult. I feel like for that sliver of time. I felt like uh, what it must feel like for a professional player being in a stand of like thousands of people being heckled at times uh, by a tiny uh, (laughs) two-year-old telling me I wasn't good enough. Um, All right. So we're going to dive a little deeper into Justin Brooks Ward as a person, as a coach here. All right. Oh, gosh. uh, How did you get started in coaching soccer in general? Um. I, I coaching was something I, I always knew I wanted to do. I, you know, going into college, I, you know, my college coach is asking me, you know, what do you think you want to do? And I'm like, I'm going to study psychology and be a coach. That's what I want to do. So I, I, I've always just had a really deep rooted interest in understanding human behavior and why we act that w- the way we do. And then, uh, and human potential, uh, the ability to push yourself and, and, 
you know, do things that seem impossible, but, but actually aren't. <clears throat> um, so that kind of interest combined with my, uh, the, the passion I have for football, it just kind of came together. I, uh, you know, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, my family's from, from Scotland originally, my dad's family and they're born and raised there. And, uh, I, I came to the game kind of late. So I didn't really play an organized game of soccer until sixth grade, probably River Soccer Club summer camp, 1996 or something like that. Maybe, maybe the end of fifth grade, fifth, that summer after fifth grade. So um, I, I kind of had to play catch up a lot. So I was always thinking about the game and having to figure things out. So that and the passion combined with just this interest in human behavior and how, why people are the way we are and how, how we can kind of be the best version of ourselves. Those, all those things just kind of came together. And, and like I said, I came late to the game as a player. So I, I guess I just have a lot, a lot of energy to keep going and learning and being involved in it. And coaching is the, the obvious way for me. Uh, all right. So on to the next question. And I have to tell you right now, Dwayne right now holds the record for the most out there uh, answer for here. Okay. So, so there's, a, there's a little bit of a high stakes here. All okay. right. Outside of coaching soccer. All right. What other job or jobs have you had now? We're not looking. And obviously we know, we know you're, we know you're a teacher, right? But at the same time, we want to see what other like out there job you've had outside of like, maybe, maybe a little bit strange or maybe a little out there. Uh, Dwayne worked <laughs> sure. at Hollister for two days. I heard that no free t-shirt. So he was out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's so, right. So what, what job outside of coaching have you had that's uh, been a little out there? Um, yeah. So I, the first, the, the two first paid jobs I had were scooping ice cream at Dickie's frozen custard and working at Bethany surf shop. So I, I, I grew up as a surf rat in Bethany running around and I would just be hanging out at the surf shop all the time. So they would put me to work. And then when I got old enough, they started paying me for it. So that and then and then scoop and ice cream and then um uh then eventually waiting tables and that kind of stuff but uh i, I also uh, i've always been really interested in like building and creating your own businesses and stuff so that's probably where jbw football came but uh i, I can tell you about the first business i created that's Ooh. a little odd if you're interested yeah. so i didn't even realize it was but uh same right around the uh making the c team uh at Southernville middle school kind of thing nintendo 64 came out and I know there was a, a real deep discussion on is FIFA good or is FIFA bad for player development last time. So yeah. not, not that I want to bring that up again. But <laughs> so when 64 came out, I went to my mom and said, Mom, 64, three-dimensional, 64 bits. Like, well, I got, got to get it. And she said, cool. It works with all the other stuff you got, right? And I said, no, no, no. Sega's different. That's 32 bits. This is 64 bits. We got to get this. And she goes, oh, well, no, no chance. Cause there's like, just spent a bunch of money on that. So I wrote three lists of all the video games that I had and the, the system and the controllers. And I put it all in my locker at school and then sold all of it out of my locker to go then go buy the Nintendo 64. And then after I did that, I was like, oh, that was interesting. And that, so that was like, that was probably the first time I ever made any money doing any kind of like work type thing and it, it was just it was just so interesting to me that I was like man 
people bought all this stuff. Like the, the money and, and have, being able to buy 64 or Nintendo 64, that was, that was just secondary. The, 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 that I was able to like kind of put this little thing together and that people were interested in it was, was like so interesting to me. I, I like loved it. So, so how many all, kids like spent their lunch money on your games? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And were able to eat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I was I was surprised. It was like it did not take long. It was like a uh, a week. The games were gone. You know, a little bit longer to 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 move the controllers, and then I think the system went last or something. But I don't know. It was that. So that was probably my first paid job, and then also kind of sparked this entrepreneurial interest in. Um, but yeah, that and scooping ice cream. So you were you were uh, you were GameStop before GameStop was probably around. Yeah, yeah, man, I missed it, huh? God, could have could have created GameStop. Would be chilling right now. Well, well, you know, there used to be EB Games as well, so it could have been uh, JB Games. JB Games, yeah, uh, that yeah, EB Games sounds familiar. I, I mean, I remember, I can remember being at like the Salisbury Mall and trying to buy FIFA and stuff, and yeah. I in that when I where I grew up in Florida, we had a we had a small mall right on the corner from my house and the mall was it, it literally took maybe five minutes to get from one side of the mall to the other uh but we had two game stops inside of the mall <laughs> for whatever reason there was two of them uh it's funny you bring up n64 because i'm actually looking from where i can where i'm sitting i can actually see my n64 <laughs> and all the games that i have <laughs> nice and i have two sega genesis as wow well. and like 15 controllers for sega genesis because i bought them in like this pack uh my wife is always trying to figure out why we have so many sega genesis <laughs> controllers um you guys are showing your age yeah definitely, definitely. listen playstation and xbox <laughs> this is before this is what we had to do back in the day I used to play sonic yeah. uh the original super smash brothers <laughs> pretty funny uh, all right Anthony, you got the next one. And your credits were a little bit better than what GameStop actually does today. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so let's get on to it. Let's let's see uh, who are your three favorite soccer players. And, and last week, Sebastian gave us some very very long, interesting ones. So hopefully, we can understand uh, the player names that you say today. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, you know. It's, I guess it fits because obviously today was the day for him, but uh, Brandy Chastain has always been like a hero for me. Just, uh, you know, the, even the way she conducts herself today when you see her in the press and stuff, she is just a model soccer professional for, for everyone, I think. And, and the way she was, is, uh, or the way she competed, and like I said, so that's the 99 World Cup, and I'm really getting interested in, in soccer in like 96, 97, you know, and then – so when, when the U.S. wins that World Cup and she, she, takes, the, she takes that, like, I, I know where I was. I can remember watching it. Like, that, that was huge. I, I, I love that, that whole, that whole team, you know. So, so real, real, real uh, hero of mine, her. And then um, and I think she even had missed a penalty kick earlier in the tournament, I think, or like in like a – maybe in like a big, a qual big qualifier before or something. I can't quite remember. But, and then she steps up and buries that one. And it's, like, obviously iconic. So. Brandy Chastain would be one. Um, Henrik Larsson uh, is a Swedish striker who uh, I, I support Celtic, uh, Glasgow Celtic in Scotland. And 
he again he was signed to Celtic in like '97, and Celtic were had just avoided bankruptcy or administration as they call it. And he came in and he was he was like the saving grace, and no one knew who he was. Like a couple hundred thousand pounds, he was bought for something, and just absolutely phenomenal striker. You know, he so he was someone that I always tried to like model my game off of. He also was like my size, you know, and but so uh, I I, I kind of like that. Um, and then for the, the third one would be. There was tough. I know who who said Pirlo yesterday or last night last time. Is that you? Man? Yeah, yeah. Pirlo, amazing. Um, Maldini is someone that I I, I love a lot. Uh, you know, I guess it's that AC team, and uh, well, I, you know, probably Kaká is who I'd go with. I saw him play live one time. I saw Celtic uh, Celtic AC Milan play in the Champions League, and uh, he was just incredible. I mean, and and I I love how he's so he's like underrated in Brazil because he's not as as like the, the classic like Brazilian flair player, but my gosh, he pick, he would pick the ball up just outside of his penalty box, and he already it already felt dangerous. It already felt like I mean he's he's whatever it would be you know eighty yards from Celtic's goal, and I was like oh my god he's gonna score <laughs> you know it's like that the game ended zero zero luckily for us but yeah he he was just fabulous am- amazing player so I would say Chastain, Larson, Kaká. Awesome. I think I want to, what I, what I think we need to start doing uh, is probably put up a list of the players that people name. So that way we can just have a running tally of how many different players we can get to. You know, I, I also, I, I started, I would also just say that uh, Carly Lloyd is also someone I have a lot of like love and admiration for because going into the last uh, world cup, you know, or that the last one, the one before that, I guess it was, where everyone was just saying, oh, she's not going to be good enough and she, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And then she absolutely just crushed it. And um, so a lot of respect for people that can, can stand up. To that. And, I, and I think, yeah, so she's another one who I have a lot of respect for. Yeah. Well, it's like, it goes back to that whole mental edge of like someone telling you you're not good enough and just getting that chip on your shoulder and being like, no, I, I am. Yeah. Or I will be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, all right. If you had to play a different sport, what would mm. it be? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, basketball would be one of the first ones, probably. Uh, it's pretty much the same game as soccer. You're just playing with your hands, you know, as far as like, uh, it, it's obviously an invasion sport. So the principles of attack and principle of defense are similar. And, um, you know, the Jordan's bulls is like another team that I grew up watching and idolizing in my childhood. So basketball would be one. And then, you know, probably professional surfing would it be the other just because surfing is an amazing sport. And if you've ever had the chance to do it, you know, the, the feeling. And if you haven't, you want to come down, I got a lesson for you. We can get you out in the water. <clears throat> hey, team, team building. Delaware, you yeah. need team building. Yeah. Um, I, I, I took a surfing lesson once. Uh, okay. Um, You're still with us. So that's good. <laughs> it, it did not go well. Um, I'm not good at balancing on anything that doesn't have four wheels. Right. <laughs> right. So whenever I have to rely on two wheels or anything to like, that's another <laughs> surface. It doesn't go well for me. But I will. I will definitely come down and cheer on Jenny, Duane, and Anthony wildly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, it is. It, it, it is definitely uh, a challenging sport. You know, can be a little scary too, because obviously, there's no there's no timeouts. No one's. You know, the the medics aren't coming on the field to pull you off if something goes wrong. But. Uh, I just surf little waves these days and just try to have fun with it, but it's, it's a great sport. 
Who's the best surfer at River Soccer Club? Oh, hmm, probably, uh, probably Brant Mays, the technical director, just because he's the boss. I have to say that. So, <laughs> thanks, Brant. Let me keep my job. No, uh, no, Brant. Brant really is. Brant is a. Brant is a very good surfer. Uh, he travels all over the world doing it. Is brave. Is brave too. Surfs big waves. Well, big-ish waves. Big, big for me, not big for uh, the world of. <laughs> big, big, big to me. <laughs> Good question. If you had to coach a different sport, what would it be? Mm. Surfing. Uh, yeah, uh, being a being a surf coach would be interesting. Uh, I think it would be. I think I would just use a lot of the mental edge kind of stuff that I talk about. Yeah, I don't know. I I think basketball. I think it would just be basketball again because I. I I had the, again, the, the tactical understanding of and the principles of play are similar. I, you know, I, I know very little about basketball technique other than, you know, keep your elbow in and you're supposed to just shoot with one hand, not, not two hands that people like to shoot with. So that, that's, that's about it. But uh, yeah, probably basketball, I guess. All right. Ultimate dream job as a coach. Mm. So, so I, I, al I always work in 10 year plans. And then I split my 10-year plan up into two five-year plans. So I'm in the middle of that right now. The, the end of one 10-year plan was to do the UEFA B license, or one five-year was to do the UEFA B license. And the next one, so, the, so my current coaching, soccer coaching goal is to coach in a, to be a part of the coaching staff in a major tournament. So like a professional youth academy or uh, like whatever – the under 17 champions league or you know any any basically any professional league i think i would count as a as a major tournament so so uh a, to coach in a major tournament is to, or to be on the coaching staff in a major tournament is my current soccer goal so the, and then the big dream you know the the I, I call the uh coaching in a major tournament i call the moonshot so once i land if i can land on the moon then i you know then the next one i don't know will be to be to really well as soon as i coach in the tournament as soon as i'm part of that coaching staff then the next goal is going to be to win the tournament so that's probably that'll probably keep me busy for the next 15 years or something chasing that or who knows maybe the rest of my life but so that, that that's kind of the big goal now coach in the tournament and then as soon as i get to that point when win a major tournament awesome a three five two or a four three three Oh, um, you know, the, obviously the first kind of answer is that you, you play whatever system fits your team. Uh, but if you're at a higher level, you can recruit the players you want for the system. So if I had a choice, regardless of personnel and I could choose the personnel, it would be four, three, three. All right. Flexible dynamic. I think, you know, from there, the ball rolls and it, it, it can become any, any system really. Yeah. Good point. All right. Last one. You ready for it? Ready. All right. It's five minutes left in the game. Your team is up one nothing. Do you go for the second goal or do you just park the bus and hit everything long? Mm, mm. Uh, I think you, you know you, you certainly need to manage the lead, especially if you know all all things being equal, you don't need a second goal for the aggregate score or the goal difference or whatever. So you need you need to manage the game. But but I also wouldn't um, I wouldn't drift too far away from our game plan. So if our game plan was to keep the ball, then 
let's just keep the ball. Let's not, let's not go knocking it long, but yeah, five minutes under five minutes, we might look to play into the channels and find a corner flag and, you know, we need to win the game. Yeah. If, if, if though, if though, if we're talking about grassroots youth soccer, then no, we're not doing any of that. We're, we're going to go, we're just going to go keep playing. But if we're talking about a higher level, I think, yeah, stick to our game plan, but manage it more conservative. We've got to win the game. Yeah. Perfect. All mm-hmm. right. I think you, I think that was good. That was good. I mean, I think you, you survived the, all the questions that we had. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've enjoyed it. It's fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, you guys have enjoyed it. It's not, not been too boring or too oh, many words. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, I'm actually getting some feedback as we're actually recording this, not from anybody listening to this because it's just the five of us, uh, but it's from other people giving us feedback to, to actually make it shorter, which I don't think we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you make it. It's yours. You, you're, you're the creator. Don't let anyone tell you what your, uh, what your invention should be. Exactly. That's right. Perfect. I love that. That's it. I, I'm going to call myself the creator. Yeah. Hey, that's what come JBW football lead your way solutions. This, this is what, this is what we talk about. This is where we're at. I'm going to hand you the number 10 shirt. <laughs> that is my favorite position. There you go. I do like that'll that. That'll be our t-shirt. We'll get Jersey numbers. The creator. Yeah. I like that. Well, if you'd like, I could, uh, we can do a temperament kind of personality assessment. We can find out what your temperament is and what you actually, what your temperament actually is. Ooh, I don't know if I want the answer to that question. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to face the reality. <laughs> I'm good in my own skin. We're, we're, uh, we're actually, we're, so we have this, the player program developed, but we're still, we're just about done with the, uh, the coaches programming. So we're looking for some, some pilot coaches to, uh, or some coaches to be in the pilot program, but you're oh. brave. If you're open, if you want to know more about who you are and maximizing your ability as a human being coach. All right. So let's dive a little bit into the, the, the world of soccer outside of Delaware or somewhat in Delaware as well as, as it relates. So the MLS's back tournament was, was back this week uh, or started this week. Um, started on Wednesday night with a match against Orlando versus Miami. Uh, uh, I watched the entire thing. Um, Personally think probably going to take some time to ease back into the rhythm of the game. It looks like for, for some of the players and some of the teams, the first halves have, have looked somewhat sluggish, which I can understand why they haven't played in four months. Um, um, and then the Philadelphia Union won yesterday, which was a, was a great win. Uh, Bedoya scores a goal, which we could have a whole entire discussion, I think, on whether the fact that Aronson fouled the one defender inside the box right before it or not, uh, which should have been maybe reviewed by the VAR or not. But, uh, but the union, the union looked good. Uh, Anthony, I know you watched the game. We were texting back and forth during it. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I actually, I thought uh, the first half was a little more entertaining than the second half for, for the union game. It, it seemed like, yeah, it was sloppy, but it seemed like it was a little more open. Uh, teams were kind of going at each other back and forth. I felt like uh, the union kind of came out in the beginning of the uh, second half, and they just they kind of sat back and and NYFC just kind of took it, you know. But um, 
you know, they got that, that goal uh, kind of against the run of play and it kind of was the, was the Blake show after that, him just standing on his head. I, he, he had an amazing, that, that save, um, I forget who took it, uh, but the save, the save that he made from point blank range, you know, off of the deflection, just coming out, getting set and getting a fingertip on it was just phenomenal. They had a great look at that from the post game too. So it was, it, it was, I agree. It was a good statement for the union. I thought, um, um, I thought just overall it was a good, a good way for them to show the MLS like, Hey man, we can, we can kind of compete here too, which is, which is good, especially with the amount of youth players that and homegrown players that they, they showcased yesterday. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. Uh, we saw Mark McKenzie in the starting in the starting eleven uh, from from Delaware. Uh, we actually get to see his dad on a regular basis as he's a referee in a lot of our uh, a lot of our games. Uh, Anthony Fontana went into the game as well. Uh, he got some minutes, which was good. So we got some Delaware representation, which is great. Um, the, the, the news that came out from last night was that Nashville was, uh, sent home from the tournament, uh, due to positive cases of COVID-19. So that somewhat rearranges all the groups, uh, it changes some of the games, which was interesting. I think now it's, again, there's now there's six groups of four, which I think <clears throat> makes more sense than the one group of six and one group of three and, you know, five groups or four groups of four that they had before. Um, I, I, I do like the one thing that, that stands out to me is the fact that they're able to adjust very quickly to this, uh, which is important. Um, it shows that they've, there's a lot of preparation that's happened with this. Um, so I'm happy that they're able to adjust and prepare. It speaks probably well from our perspective in a youth soccer standpoint that adjustments can be made and, and it's not the end of the world. Uh, you just adjust it, move on, and figure out the best solution for it. Uh, obviously, the Nashville and the FC Dallas, part of it were, were for the safety of the players, which is it's important and understandable. Uh, so now I'm looking forward to, to, seeing, to seeing more matches. I'm excited for these 9 a.m. kickoffs. Uh, really excited for that because the, the 9 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. kickoffs are very difficult for me. In general, I'm sleeping by that point, so I yeah, you won't see me at any more uh, 9 a.m. kickoffs. <laughs> I think what everybody wants to know is, Dwayne, were you on one of the screens at any point? No, I did not log on. That's disappointing. Well, I did get an invitation to go to Subaru Park for their 10:30 game in a couple of days. And I was just like, no thanks. What would you watch it from your car? Or inside no, you could go inside the stadium, social distanced. Two hundred fans. Yeah, I think well, I'll pass. Yeah, I think I. Yeah, I, I again. I'm going back to the fact that I'm disappointed in the fact that you weren't on the screen. You and you and Anthony, you and Anthony gave me grief for the fact that I didn't like the fact that there was people zooming into screens. I didn't get an invitation. Otherwise, I definitely would have been on there. Oh well, you know what? I will send you the information for next game, and you can log on. Absolutely, thank you. I appreciate that. It, it looked like it was like random shots because, like, the one guy was like drinking his coffee. I don't even think he realized he was up there. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. That's that's the issue. Is the there was like three or four different screens. You're in a small stadium that 
that's not necessarily like they created the stadium environment at the worldwide of sports, uh, worldwide world of sports uh, for this tournament. So now you're adding like three or four different screens at the same time, which to me cause entire different environment considering the images are changing every two seconds. And like at one point there was kids running around in the, on the screens, like waving jerseys. I'm telling you, it's distracting. I still stand by the fact that it's a distracting thing to see. For the viewer or for the player? For me too. I stopped paying attention to the game and started trying to see if I could catch <laughs> Dwayne on the TV. It's a very selfish opinion you got. What do you guys – what do you think about so – to, to this point, I've heard a lot of pundits and things talk about that without fans, the, the players aren't, aren't as energized. And, and there's, there, it's just – the the game is slower and the and the and the player you know the, the, like uh, what, what do you think that is that a real thing is that not a real thing you know I mean I if you're playing in a game a professional game I mean does it does it matter if there's one person or I mean obviously if there's ninety thousand people there that's lots of real energy but if you're a professional athlete don't you just get after it regardless I don't know have you watched Manchester United since the start uh I, a little bit yeah they they will prove that wrong immediately they're they're as fun as ever to watch right now yeah and I'm, I'm, some, go ahead Dwayne I said I think for some teams it's probably better suited that they don't have any fans to like heckle them and they play better yeah United's yeah. never allowing fans back into their stadium yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree I, I I think that I think that's a non it's a non-issue I mean I don't know I mean we would have to ask the players obviously but yeah I, I'm with you guys I think that they're professional athletes and they're getting after it, it we might feel a difference in the atmosphere. And certainly when there's tens of thousands of people screaming at you, that's energy, but no, nah, I think they're getting after it still. So just something, I was just curious. Yeah. I think it'll be, I think honestly the, the true test of this and only because um, there's a lot of, so I watch a lot of South American soccer and a lot of South American players talk about the fact that the atmosphere is always extremely important. Almost like the, especially in Argentina because there hasn't been away fans in like 10 years. So there's only home fans allowed at the, at the field uh, from a safety perspective. So um, they talk about the home field advantage. So the, the playing in your home field or your home stadium, I think is important playing in an empty stadium when in general, you're only used to your home crowd, I think will be difficult. Um, what I don't like is that I did like with the MLS that I don't like with the premier league is I don't like the, the soundtrack in the background. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. I would much rather hear what's going on in the field. Yeah, that's why I'm also a big fan of like U17 and U20 championship uh, tournaments, uh, because there's never really any fans, so you could always hear what's going on exactly on the on the pitch. Um, so that's when you truly know. I think to go back to your question is, do you think the par- the players get after it? I think you can hear that they're getting after it. Yeah, I 100. I think so. I mean. You're, you're telling me a guy gets a chance to start or a girl gets a chance to start uh, for a Premier League team or in the Women's Super League or, you know, in the MLS or wherever, and they're not going to grab hold of that chance? You know, I, I think that's – yeah, I think that's not true. I think they're yeah. definitely getting after it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Which leads us to our uh, Man of the Match Award, so that's something new we're going to start. Uh, I think Jenny and I both have the same, the same player. Yeah, we have Blake down. 
I think he definitely kept the union in the game <laughs> for sure. Yeah. The save, the save at the end of the game alone was brilliant. Yeah. Touched on it earlier. Yeah. Anthony, who'd you have? Um, so I, I went with uh, Mason Greenwood. Um, he three goals in two matches and an assist, and he's 18 years old. Uh, just uh, he's like he's like a different dynamic of player where he's just like pure speed and power. And I, I just think that like what he's done since the restart, now that he's been giving more opportunities to play, um, and you know he's he's up to 16 goals now in all competitions. Um, it's like what he's been able to do has just been remarkable for an 18-year-old in the Premier League. I mean, they, they put him up there. It's like he's got the most goals since Wayne Rooney and, uh, you know, like George Best. It's like he's got some, some crazy statistics and three goals and since the last time we met here on Friday and an assist, and he's just killing it. So yeah. he's coming in the match. Dwayne. Uh, we'll go with uh, Christian Pulisic. You know, ever since the restart, he's kind of been on fire. <clears throat> scored in like six matches or something like that. Or he has six goals. So, yeah, he's been on fire. So, And I think it's finally nice that we don't have all the U.S. pundits saying, hey, Pulisic, 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 he's the savior. Like, he's finally able to just like play and do his thing. He's starting to look really good. And every time he's scored a goal, Chelsea's won a game. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he scored the he scored like that first goal for them a lot of the time. Yeah. It almost seems like it's killing Lampard that uh he's doing so well. Like have you like seen the interviews like afterwards where he's like, Yeah, I mean he is a good player, he's like it's like he doesn't want to give him a praise. Like he clearly is not happy that he's doing well. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I, I think he's doing really well. I think uh, I actually texted Coach Chad about this because Coach Chad's a Chelsea fan. Um, and I told him, I was like, he's starting to look like he's gliding when he when he takes players on. And I think there's a distinct difference between a player that glides and a player that doesn't glide. Um, like a Messi is a player that glides. And I'm not comparing Pulisic to Messi. I'm not doing that. But I think he's starting to get to that point where he's he's starting to – when he takes players on, he's starting to hit a different speed and a different – like. I saw him do this thing where he just did like a little like left foot, right foot, like inside of the foot thing to get around a player. And it just looked effortless, um, which is, I think it's going to, I think that's, he's going to start loosening up a little bit more like Dwayne said. Which yeah. It's a sign of a sign of a player playing like in the flow, you know, pl- playing with that freedom. You know, it's a, uh, he's being pushed by you stress, not de-stress. That's you know, right. Positive, positive stress. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited for his future. I think he's going to be really, really good. Uh, we're going to move. We're going to jump into the Fair Play of the Week award because uh, I think that's where where we should lead to next in general. Uh, all right. Uh, Dwayne, why don't you go first? So I picked uh, Thierry Henry. He took a knee for the first eight minutes and 46 seconds of the Montreal Impact game. Um. And I think that was pretty significant uh, with the, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. And I also just, like, am amazed that he was able to take a knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds because knowing myself, uh, I'd probably be up after the first, like, 10 seconds, like, screaming at the team. (laughs) That was a pretty good, like, gesture to do. Yeah. No, for sure. And for me, it was Ray Gaddis. 
Um, he's uh, He's been one of the members of the Black Players for Change organization that's working with the MLS. Um, you know, he's a Philadelphia Union player. He's been in the, he's been in the club for a lot of years. Uh, we've had him at Delaware Union before. He's come to Middletown to, to do some signing and things like that before. Uh, he's a, pl- a lot of players that a lot of our players look up to. Uh, and I think what he's doing is extremely important and, and really good. I think that leads into Jenny. For me, I picked the union overall because I thought it was really cool how they had the names of um, victims of police brutality on the back of their jerseys too and the little armbands too that they wore. Yeah, I think the MLS is taking a big, uh, a big stand uh, with everything going on. I think considering they're the first professional league in the United States to be, be back. Um, I think it'll, I, I think it's going to catapult a lot more uh, leagues and players to, to stand up uh, for what's right, which is I think important. It's important too, Absolutely. To the diversity in the league. Like they just have, you know, they have players from everywhere, South America, Europe, like literally everywhere, different age, Rages too. You got players coming at the end of their careers. You've got players just starting. So I think it's important for that to see like the the common message across all the teams. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. All right, so we're gonna and I'm gonna let Justin take this one because I think Justin started to kind of lead into this a little bit. So we do a, we do a segment called On This Day in History or in Soccer History. So uh, we found a very significant day. So 21 years ago. Justin, tell us about what happened 21 years ago today. It was Randy Chastain and Mia Hamm and uh, the, the women's team and uh, Chico, Coach DeChico brought, brought home uh, the Women's World Cup against China. So, I mean, massive day in uh, U.S. sporting history in general and specifically, you know, U.S. soccer history. Yeah. The, the iconic, uh, she hits the penalty kick, like uh, top right corner, shirts off. I mean, amazing. Amazing. Yep. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, it's an important day. This, this is probably one of the best days we've had for uh, for today in soccer history. Yeah, it, um, I, th- I think uh, I, I think I'm going to go back and watch the game tonight as a little uh, homage to the team. So I'm I'm sure it's online. I'm sure it's somewhere. You know, I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'm I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it definitely is. Thought just grab that uh, v- VHS player out the garage and... <laughs> and and plug it into your Sega. There you go. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we leave, uh, Jenny, hit us with the social media one more time. All right. Follow us on social media, Facebook, facebook.com backslash Delaware Union, Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer. And now we have Twitter, which is DE Union Soccer. Justin Brooks Ward. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Tell us again where to find you on social media. Um, on Instagram at JBW Football and LinkedIn at Justin Brooks Ward and then JBWFootball.com. And same with uh, Lead Your Way Solutions is LeadYourWaySolutions.com. Thanks so much for coming today. Really, really uh, appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Uh, Seba, uh, Jeannie, Anthony, and Dwayne. Really, really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. (laughs) 